Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of. One that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. Beyond Zero is Toyota's vision of a carbon-neutral future and more. Toyota gives you the power to reduce carbon emissions and help move toward its vision with a wide selection of electrified vehicles. Whether you're into hybrid EVs for that traditional Toyota feel with better MPG, battery EVs for a smooth and silent ride, or plug-in hybrid EVs that switch between battery and fuel, Toyota has you covered. And for those who prefer hydrogen, Toyota's fuel cell EVs emit nothing but water vapor from the tailpipe. So cool giving you the choice on how to reduce carbon emissions and move closer to Toyota's Beyond Zero vision. Visit toyota.com slash electrified vehicles slash beyond zero vision. Toyota, let's go places. Hi, I'm Vanessa Bayer, and this is my brother, Jonah. We're two siblings who love to talk about our childhood and nostalgia and how it shaped us into the people we are today. Who are pretty comedy forward, if I do say so myself. Welcome to How Did We Get Weird. Jonah, our guest today is very known for her iconic glasses. In honor of her, I thought that we could talk about the story from growing up about when you used to wear glasses as a kid. Our listeners might not know that Jonah was like a very cute kid with glasses. And then like something sort of crazy happened. Yeah. So I wore bifocals growing up. I think I was nearsighted. I had like big kind of 80s clunky glasses and I would always break them <laughs> right, and then that's right. lose them. I felt like we went to like the local E.B. Brown optical at Beachwood Place like every other week because I was always yeah. destroying them. And then I wanted to get kind of like thinner glasses around like my bar mitzvah. I felt like I wanted <laughs> yeah. something a little more low profile. It's getting a little self-conscious. And then something kind of interesting happened. I went to the eye doctor. I had been wearing them. I don't know, maybe like, when do you think I started wearing them? You started wearing them when you were like a little kid. Yeah. You were probably like, I don't know. Two or three? Yeah. So I'm wearing them basically my whole life. I'm 13. I go to the eye doctor and he did an eye test and he was like, the glasses have corrected your vision. You no longer need glasses. (laughs) He said that this could happen to a small amount of people, I guess, if you start wearing glasses when you're really young. So that was when I was probably 13 or 14. I'm now 42. I have not worn glasses since then. No reading glasses, no anything. My eyes somehow were corrected by these glasses. And I feel like I tell people the story now. I'm like, no one can believe it. But I'm pretty sure this is what happened. Did you have like an eye that crossed a little or something? I had one eye that I wasn't like seeing out of for a while. I would get cross-eyed. I had all kinds of weird eye problems. But I think maybe because my eyes were still developing or something, they were. Right. I don't know. I've never spent that much time looking. I kind of forgot about it until you brought it up (laughs) for this podcast. So yeah, that was my last time wearing glasses. And you didn't know the whole time you wore glasses 
classes as a kid that you'd ever outgrow them, right? No, I don't think I've really thought about it that much. I think I figured I would get contacts maybe eventually or something, but yeah, never did. So that's my glasses story. Incredible, right? Yeah. Incredible. Well, let's get to our guest today off of this great glasses story. (laughs) Our guest today, I'm just so excited about. This is kind of one of those moments when Jonah's cool music connections from being a cool music guy allow me to meet someone who I love so much and who the childhood me would be just like losing her mind over if she knew I was meeting her now. But also adult me is very excited, if that makes sense. All the me's. All the me's are excited. <laughs> good name for a band. <laughs> yeah, all the me's. Such a good band name. Our guest today is a singer, songwriter, musician, author, and actress. She started her career with her number one hit song, Stay, I Missed You from the film Reality Bites. She had the first number one single for an artist without a recording contract. She had so many other hit singles, gold albums. Her 2016 children's CD, Feel What You Feel, won the best children's album at the 60th Annual Grammy Awards. And her latest album, A Simple Trick to Happiness, was released in February 2020. In addition, she has a line of eyewear and started a nonprofit organization that sends underserved children to camp funded by her own organic and fair trade coffee company, Wake Up Brew. Please welcome our guest today, Lisa Loeb. Hello, who also had an eye turned in slightly when I was little. Really? I did exercises and then it got better. I can't believe your eyes got better. That's amazing. I know. That's amazing. Have you heard of that? I don't know. I guess. I don't know if I've heard that before. I mean, I heard that there are exercises you can do to help try to correct your vision and strengthen your eyes. I keep forgetting to do them. (laughs) Oops. But I did have exercises that my mom did with me when I was little because my eye turned in a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. I always thought my eyes were bad because I read a lot when I was a kid. You know, like when you're always glued to a book, you don't have enough distance vision practice. Right, right, right. I don't think, I just think I, you know, I didn't wear glasses till I was like 13 or 14. Okay. Yeah. I think 13. So I don't know. Anyway, I think I started wearing glasses about, but I mostly wore contacts, but I noticed like something with my vision when I was about 13 or 14. Yeah. Where I had to wear them for distance because I couldn't see the... The chalkboard. Chalkboard. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That was the whole thing. I wonder if something happens around that age, but yeah, that's exactly the age that Jonah got to let them go. Very crazy. When you became a man. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You're like, Shema Yisrael. I yeah. don't need my glasses anymore. Anyway. I interviewed you, I don't know if you remember this, four years ago for Taylor Guitar's website. Oh, yeah. Okay. And we talked about, I don't know, your 512C. Yes. All kind of stuff that you know people are, are interested in. But yeah, that was really fun. I did a lot of stuff for their site. And that's yeah, that when really I great. think I found out, Jonah told me then that you had your own line of glasses. Yes. I have my own line of glasses. Actually, my in-laws were in town for the first time in like two and a half years since COVID. And my mother-in-law was trying on glasses and we took all the cases of glasses. And I don't even have the most, most up-to-date frames from my line. We're, we're always like creating new frames and new designs, but we just did a whole trunk show and it was very exciting. Everybody in the family wow. was trying them on. I know. It's like a dream come true. So you're actually like involved because I feel like some artists or like musicians will kind of like lend their name to stuff and then they have like nothing to do with the product. This is something you're like very involved with. Yes, I'm super involved with it. We do hire a professional company company who has a lot of experience designing eyewear, but I sit at the kitchen table literally or at the Zoom window now, but often at the kitchen table looking at all the frames that we're working on, all the designs, all the drawings, making suggestions, working together to make stuff that I would wear. Although it's funny having an eyewear line, you know, every single pair isn't exactly what I would wear. Sometimes you have to design things. Yeah, I'm sure. That are a little bit outside. I try to stick to my brand, which is sort of whimsical, but sophisticated, but classic, slightly nostalgic. But I'm also curious what's going on in fashion trends as well. And so I try to keep my eye out for that and take some chances, you know, maybe like a huge chance, like trying a different color that I would not normally wear myself. Certain things I put my foot down about, or I know it's just not in my brand. Like there's certain really super Euro color combinations that remind me of being, you know, in England in 1980 four or like in the Caribbean islands thinking like, this is very Euro. This can't be part of my line, but I get it. Anyway, yeah, it's a very involved process. I can't help it. I get super involved in everything that I do. Everything that I do, I'm actually doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. And I was just rewatching the video first day. I mean, those glasses were so 
I mean, that must have felt so incredible or crazy, or I'm not sure what people really like went crazy over your glasses. It was a little bit strange. You know, I had worn glasses, like I said, since I was about 13 or 14. And I know that my glasses were a thing in a way, because by the time I was in college, I did have a band that was popular. And my friend Liz Mitchell and I, we would get like fan letters and stuff like that at our college PO box from other students. But we were doing very well in college. And I knew if I didn't wear my glasses, then people wouldn't recognize me. Like I did have contact lenses that I wore every once in a while during dance class, maybe. Actually, there was one dance class in particular. I did wear contacts because I did not want anyone to see me. I was taking African dance and we had to do our final dance out in the middle of the green at college. And I was just like, I don't want people watching me (laughs) dance. Like I wanted to feel more like nobody could see me. So I didn't wear my glasses. I wore my contacts. And literally my friends didn't recognize me as I walked by them. I wear contacts like for certain auditions or IMAX movies. I've been wearing my glasses for auditions and I don't go to IMAX movies really anymore. But anyway, yeah, the glasses have always been something that people connect with me on. And at first it used to be a little bit annoying, right? When my songs and my records were commercially successful, because I really wanted to talk about songwriting and nerd out on my guitar playing and things like that. And people would, you know, say, so tell me about your glasses. And I was like, seriously, (laughs) like, do you talk to Elton John about his glasses or? Right, right. That's a really good point. Whoever there's like, a few other musicians who are known for their glasses. And then I realized little by little, actually people do talk to Elton John or David Bowie. Like these are people you like their style and you can really think and engage in their style. Yeah. But you also really engage in their music. And so it's okay. And then little by little, I had a couple of possible opportunities to have an eyewear line. And I think at the time in the early 90s, if you were something other than your main career, you were sort of seen as a dilettante. Whereas now it's really common that you're kind of not a professional musician if you don't have a shoe company or like a... Right. Whole three other businesses, you know, that you've created. So it's much more accepted now. But little by little, I realized that people really did connect with me about my glasses. And I had so many, especially women, young women and young girls coming up to me saying that they felt confident being themselves wearing their glasses because they saw me on TV wearing my glasses. So I realized you know what, this does really serve a purpose. And it's something that I take for granted because I feel comfortable wearing glasses and I try to find glasses that I think are flattering. And I think I realized also a lot of women could take advantage of a little bit of a lift, especially with the more cat eye frames or do frames like yours that are more circular or rectangular frames and just give them a little bit more of a lift because that's flattering on everybody. Yeah. And so I did go ahead and start an eyewear line. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I do think that when that video came out, it was all of a sudden like it became cool to wear glasses especially to like kids, like it seemed like nerdy or something. So yeah. Yeah. Well, even the word nerdy, I mean, now people are very proud of the word nerdy back in yeah. the you know, 80s and 90s. It was like, oh, you're such a nerd. And that was a bad thing because you were interested in things and maybe couldn't see very well. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's like now those are the people you want to be friends with, people who have interests, you know, but everything has sort of been turned upside down. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Totally. And I'm curious, I did like a summer guitar course at Berkeley when I was like 17. So this is also in the 90s. Oh my gosh. Yes. What year was it? It was probably, I was 17 turning 18 because I really wanted to get my tongue pierced, but I wasn't old enough yet. So it's probably like 97, I want to say. Okay. Because I went to that Berkeley summer school too in 1992 when I was finishing my song Stay. Okay. And I was friends with all the 15 and 17 and 19 year old boys who were, you know, smoking bonks, smoking bonks. I don't even know how to say that word. I was living off campus, but yeah, I wanted to go practice in a practice room a lot. Yeah. So I remember playing those rooms and I remember like there was still this element of like, there was this guy there, like Joe Stump. He was a shredder guy. Like there was just still this element of like, all these guys were like really into dream theater and all this like- Oh yes. That kind of stuff. Dream theater. Yes. Who just won a Grammy, by the way. I don't know if you saw like last week. That's, what's his name? Michael Santucci? I don't know. It's John Petucci and like- I mean, John Petucci. I meet him every year at NAMM and he's very sweet. Yes. Yes. And I always take a picture with like me and Steve Morris and John Petrucci and all those guys. Yeah. I was curious, like, was that- kind of like technical shredder thing going on when you were there? Yes. Because that seems very different from your music. Yeah. I mean, I went to Berkeley Music School because I was always interested in, you know, we were talking about being a dilettante, but I was always interested in so many things, you know, playing with my friends, hanging out with my friends, writing music, marketing our concerts, doing my homework, acting. There's always like a million things I'm doing, dancing and acting and writing and this and that. And I would admire my friends 
who mostly were boys playing music and they would sit in the studio. I would go knock on the door and they're just like completely glued to their instrument playing. And ever since I was a kid, I wanted to focus and practice more on my guitar. I'd always take lessons and learn some jazz things. And But I was always drawn into a million different things. Like I said, being in a play, being head of student council, you know, being in a movie, doing a million things. And so I said, ooh, this is my time to like really focus on guitar. So I went to go to Berkeley summer school and I did practice a lot more. But then I ended up, you know, becoming friends with my teacher and just getting distracted and seeing friends and going to eat donuts and at Dunkin' Donuts uh. and meeting a black cat walking down the street that was really cute. But the shredding was super popular. I did practice a little bit more and I didn't really get into the shredding myself. I didn't really know as much about it until later I ended up dating Dweezil Zappa for a little while and he's a shredder and, and he's friends with a lot of shredders. And so Blue Saracino, who's an unbelievable guitar player. Again, I met Sterling Ball, whose company Ernie Ball has guitar strings. And through Sterling, I met Steve Morris uh, and Fender Guitars and all different people. Steve Vai, who's an amazing guitar player. And I started getting more of an appreciation for it because I never really listened to like Van Halen. I was more of a new wave kid and a Led Zeppelin person and a David Bowie and a Queen type of person, which it's not really the shredding, you know? It's not like Yngwie Malmsteen, but I learned a lot about that type of guitar playing and that culture. I even got a BC Rich. Wow. Or did I get a BC Rich? No, Gary told me he was going to give me a BC Rich. <laughs> I wanted one so badly when I was in high school, not because it was a BC Rich. It was called a rich bitch. Just what a nice 15-year-old girl in Dallas <laughs> wants. But I did want a pink guitar really, really badly. And they were like the only ones making pink guitars off the shelf. And I think Marnie Kaplan, my little sister's friend's parents, bought her that BC Rich. But I talked to Gary, who owned BC Rich, and he told me he was going to give me a Lucite guitar. But then my husband gave me a Lucite Flying V. Oh, nice. A custom Lucite Flying V as an anniversary present. But now I have pink guitars. Like, I've got that pink guitar over there. Oh, yeah. I've got a pink semi-hollow telly. I've got pink Hello Kitty guitars and Daisy Rock guitar. I've got a lot of guitars. you got a lot. Is that Dan Electro back there? No, it's actually a Jerry Jones. It's a tenor. Oh, wow. Cool. Guitar. Yeah, it looks like a Dan Electro. So a BC Rich sounds like it's a guitar. It's a guitar. Okay. It's really easy to play. It's like a heavy metal guitar. It's got very demonic looking. It's very pointy. Often the styles are very pointy and demonic. Got it. Okay. Okay. You know, like very demonic looking. And actually a lot of the guys who play these guitars, very sweet, unbelievable players. And my favorites are the ones who play, I don't know, some people play more melodic, beautiful music. And some people are just impressive. Like literally you feel like their hands are going to catch on fire. Yeah. So And shredding just for those of us who little less. It's like tweedly deedly deedly dee. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. That kind of stuff. Okay. Okay. Cool. And you also tapping and that's what this is. You're tapping and tapping meaning bing, bing, bing. I don't know how to say it. It's like harmonics. And it sounds like ants are crawling up your body, but plugged in through an electric guitar amp. Yeah. That was such a good explanation. It's almost like classical music. It has a very classical feel. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I feel like Berkeley was kind of like really the epicenter of that. Like a lot of those bands and a lot of those people meeting there, playing there. Because it's also very technical and you go and you learn guitar and you learn that. But then you also learn when you're there that, yes, it is really impressive. And my older brother is a classical pianist. And some of the pieces that are faster and more complicated are so impressive. And it's really fun to watch that. And I'm sure it's fun as a performer to be able to play that and impress. There's a special high energy that you feel between being able to impress people with that playing. But at the same time, I think as you grow up, you start realizing that arranging music in a certain way, maybe not the faster you play or the more impressive it is, or as a singer, the higher you sing or the louder you sing, isn't always the thing. Like sometimes there's a different quality that you want to aspire to, to get that. But Berkeley, you know, these are people who know how to play. Yeah, I think there was a Frank Zappa piece called The Black Page, which just had so many notes on it. Like Steve Vai memorized it. And, you know, little music notes are black on a page. And you can imagine something that's shredding has just got so many notes. Oh my God. Would you associate it specifically with soloing? Like coming up with things impromptu or is it, it's more impromptu than it is written. Yeah, I think it can be. I would consider it more with like soloing, but yeah, I would consider like all the guys you've mentioned or like Eddie Van Halen or like those kinds of guys, the pioneers of it. And I will also say, if you don't play guitar at all, it's like if you're being nostalgic when you're a kid, you're like, oh my gosh, that person could do a cartwheel, a round off flip flop. Yeah. yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, that's impressive. Oh, they can do like a backward flip into the pool. I could never do it. I could never really get the sweet picking. I could play sort of fast, but I could oh, never like cross picking. that line into like actually shredding. I can't. I could fake it kind of. Yeah. I can't. My friend has been teaching me something. My friend Dan Seiden, you could take guitar lesson with him online. Okay. But he's doing something that I learned slightly at Berkeley, which was playing scales where you're fingering certain notes and then you're 
doing certain notes open. So it's very fluid sounding. It's like ding, ding, bing, ding, ding, bing, ding, bing. Very ringing out and beautiful. It's kind of like a, what is that called? Uh, not a mellotron. It's a, uh, oh my gosh, I can't think of what it's called. It's still early here in California. <laughs> anyway, it's a beautiful way to play ringing out notes and you can play things a little bit faster. Well, cool. Maybe I'll take a lesson with them. I don't know. I mean, I feel like, I don't know if it's too late. Or do you feel like you hit a certain age? It's where never it's like, too late. Okay. No, I've been, ta- oh my gosh, COVID has been the time. Yeah. yeah. It's the time to do everything. You're right. You're right. You're right. I've taken guitar lessons, Japanese lessons. You know, I did the baking bread, but I still have to have a friend come over and show me stuff to make it better. I took tap lessons the entire time during COVID wow. outside in the backyard. I love tap dancing. I love tap dancing anyway. And I thought this is not the time to stop. This is the time to do it, to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. Well, we're going to take a quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Lisa Loeb. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself. But we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I.com. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple. 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a brand new Samsung A14 on them. Straight Talk Unlimited plans start at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Who wouldn't want a few extra bucks in their pocket? Straight Talk is a great everyday value on wireless. Plus, it all runs on the most reliable 5G network in America. So treat yourself to Straight Talk today. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Straight Talk utilizes the network with the most first place rankings and root metrics 1H 2023 5G reliability assessments of 125 metros. Results may vary. Not an endorsement. And we're back. So Lisa, we asked you for a nostalgic topic today and you gave us some really incredible options. And one thing that you mentioned that we thought would be really fun to talk about was telephone etiquette from the 1970s and 1980s. 
<laughs> something you guys can appreciate. Are you guys in the age range where you were without technology and then it? Yes. Now you're with technology. Okay. Yes. A hundred percent. I feel like this topic brought up so many memories of our parents, specifically our dad's television <laughs> etiquette growing up, which was maybe not his like <laughs> strongest. Yeah. Our friends would definitely be scared to call our house. But <laughs> I mean, even that thinking about the fact that like you knew your dad's telephone etiquette. Right. Yeah. Like the telephones were attached to walls. Yeah. I'm talking about when phones were plugged in. I mean, I'm sure you guys were really around also during the portable phones when those became popular. But when I was a kid, phones were literally plugged into walls. And so there was a kitchen phone. There was maybe a phone in the kid's side of the house. If you were lucky, that was like a big step up. Yeah. Maybe you had a phone in your room. Like some of my friends got phones in their room, which was a huge deal. I never had a phone in my room. Yeah. I got a swatch phone, I think, when I was like 13 or something. It was like a big deal. It was like huge deal. Huge. Yeah. And then some kids I remember growing up had their own like line. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. Their own line. There was a kid's (laughs) line. Yeah. The kid's line. We had the other line where, you know, when you're on the phone, it would go beep. And then you would say, oh, wait a minute. I got to get the other line. And you would push the receiver and you would go to the other line. Yeah. It was the other line on the same phone, which was not as cool as having your own line. Right. Right. Yeah. And then there was another element that I feel like people might not remember is you couldn't be on the internet and the phone at the same time. Like they would operate on the same line. That came came a little later. See, I don't even know about that because I was a grown up by then. Okay. But I will say that like when the phone rang, you'd say like, hello, I have an actual phone here. Oh. And you'd pick it up and you'd say, hello, low residence, Who's calling, please? Like, if you were really professional, you'd be like, low residents, who's calling, please? Yes. Oh, hello, Mrs. Brown. And then they would say, is your mother there? Hold on one second. Let me check. And you would put the phone down in your lap <laughs> so that you couldn't hear or you'd cover the phone, the bottom part of the phone. And you'd say, mom, mom. <laughs> and no one would answer. I'm sorry. She's not here right now. May I please take a message? <laughs> and then you would hold the phone. You'd cradle the phone in your ear, in your right, in your shoulder. And you may even have this, there was like a wedge shaped attachment that was rubbery that you would attach to the phone so that you wouldn't jack your neck. It would have like a little bit more space. You'd hold the phone and you'd write down on the pad of paper or hold on one second. Let me go find a pen. And you'd write down, mom, Mrs. Brown called at 2.30 p.m. And you say, thank you so much for calling. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. And you would hang up. And that's what you would do. And there would be the sound. Yeah. You'd hang up the phone. Yeah. I have a dial phone here, but you could dial. This was a sound. Rotary. Rotary. Yeah. Or there were buttons. Beep, 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 beep. And the buttons, you could actually figure out how to play little songs on the buttons. This is the 70s, y'all. Y'all don't remember this. <laughs> but you would actually figure out how to play little songs like... Da, 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 da. The notes were kind of sour because they were digital. Yeah, I mean, right, they were right, right, right. A little bit out of tune. Yeah. I mean, I just remember kind of what you're saying. It was so formal when you would pick up the phone and then you were just screaming for whoever <laughs> yeah. was coming. But ah. I remember going, people would call for our mom and I'd go like, she can't come to the phone right now. Yes. All of a sudden I'd turn into like a secretary's voice. <laughs> I feel like Vanessa, your voice would go up a couple octaves. Oh, when Jonah used the to phone. make fun of me for sure. Cause I'd be like, hello. And I'd be like, oh, she can't talk right now. <laughs> I felt like when I would talk to adults, my voice would go up really high. Yeah, like the musical Bye Bye Birdie. What's the story? Morning glory. What's the word? Honey bird. Mom, I want to hear more about your dad's phone etiquette. That sounds important. I'm imagining him wearing like a leisure suit. What is he wearing, first of all? (laughs) First of all, he's sitting in our living room and he's on like this big leather chair. What color is the leather? Like brown? It's kind of a beige. It's actually like not a gross leather chair, like actually a pretty nice leather chair. Okay. Our parents had like a decorator come when we were, I don't know, like in the, I'm going to call it the like late 80s. They had like a decorator come and like really redo the downstairs of our house, the upstairs of our house. They did not redo. And that was an (laughs) issue when they sold the house. But anyway, so our dad would be like sitting on this like nice leather chair and then he would get I think it would be what you're talking about, like a portable phone, like probably watching like a Cleveland sports game. Yeah. Watching some kind of Cleveland Browns or whatever it was. And my friends would call all the time and he would (laughs) sometimes he would call for me, but for the most time. They'd go like, hi, is Vanessa there? And he'd go, she'll have to call you back. And he'd hang up on them. <laughs> and like, then like I'd come home, like, I'd come like downstairs later and I'd be like, 
dad did something. And he'd be like, someone called for you. And I'd be like, who was it? He'd be like, uh, I don't know. It was maybe Lissy. It was maybe Gwen. Like, he like wouldn't even know who it was. <laughs> oh, He'd like try and decipher the voice. But my poor friends would be like so freaked out to call me. And then I think it became funny to them because like they like didn't like take it personally. I mean, I'd love to ask them now, but they like didn't take it personally anymore because it was just like, he's going to be like rude no matter what. Like there wasn't a, but yeah, they would call and yeah, she'll have to call you back and just hang up. Right. And Jonah, did he do that to your friends? I don't remember really. I'm probably, but I also remember kind of at least what you were saying, just like yelling as loud as you could across the house to try to get someone's attention. Yeah. Or like upstairs, like we would yell yeah. to try and get it through this floor. <laughs> yeah. Somebody would leave the phone off the hook every once in a while. You'd be on with your friends. You'd sort of hold on to it. You just leave it there. So when my daughter's on her iPad having conversations with her friends on FaceTime or whatever, yeah. or Zoom for hours and hours, my husband's like, she needs to get off the phone. I'm like, you weren't like a 12-year-old girl. Like, we used to do this. We used to do our version of this with our phones. Like, before there was, you know, computer phones, we would just be on the phone for hours and hours and hours, you know, with your feet up on the wall, like your legs up on the wall, laying on your bed. If you were really lucky, you'd just be on the phone with your friends, looking at magazines. We had magazines back then. It was a whole other era. I remember my mom was funny too, because she'd be like, there were four of us kids and, you know, somebody was always doing something or needed to do their homework or do something. She's like, you know, you need to go clean your room. And the phone would ring. ring. She'd be like, hello. Hi. You know, blah, blah, blah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it would just, your voice would change immediately to like, well, Hello. Mm hmm. Okay. Mm hmm. There was a lot of mm hmm. Okay. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. Go clean your room. Like, yeah. It was like the formalness on the phone. And then the other thing was like, if we'd ever call like a boy. Oh my gosh. Like, it would be like such a whole thing because there's like a good chance their mom or like their sibling or their dad is going to pick up. And you'd have to be like, hello, this is. Oh, it just reminded me. Are you getting nervous just thinking about it? Getting nervous thinking about it. The other thing is like sometimes when people would call, this reminded me of it. You'd go, with whom am I speaking? Which is like something that you would never say in real life. Like I'd never say that to someone, but somehow you became this formal secretary on the phone. You'd be like, with whom am I speaking? And then you'd be like, hold mom, it's Debbie. And you're like kind of pissed off. But But then I remember, yeah, call a boy and being like, hi, is Brad there? And it'd be like the moms like having like the time of their lives, like being like, well, he sure is. And can I ask you who's calling? (laughs) (laughs) It's awesome. We would also do the thing where we'd have someone secretly on three-way. We had three-way calling, which was really a big deal. Oh yeah. We would prank teachers. We would sometimes like, if you had two friends who had three-way, each person could call a teacher separately and put them on the phone so that one teacher would pick up the phone and be like, hello. And then like the principal of the school would be like, hello. <gasps> and they'd be on the phone together and they didn't know. Or like the gym teacher and the history teacher or whatever. And they didn't know how they got connected. Oh my God. So there'd be the secret three way. Or when you would call to make an important call, like to a boy or to somebody else you were having some conflict with, and you had another friend on the phone secretly listening in. Yeah, that's so tough. Yeah, that was very exciting and modern to have three-way calling like that. Yeah. With a secret person on the line. We also did the thing, like, since I'm a little bit of a different generation, we had the boingy cords, you know, like the yeah the boingy cords on the phone. And I remember my friend Adrian. I was so jealous. Her house had a, like a maroon red, which was very popular nail polish color in the 70s, like kind of a maroon wine colored slimline phone. Oh, did she have the slimline or the regular one? Slimline was like smoother. It was kind of like a smooth bar looking phone that you would pick up. But anyway, she had one attached to the wall, which I thought was so cool. And the cord was really, really long. And she had kind of an open floor plan kitchen and you could like wind yourself up in it and out of it and up (sighs) in it and out of it, like while you were on the phone. Uh, I was so envious of that phone that at a certain point, I think when I got to college, I might've gotten that exact same phone. And even today we have a real phone in our bathroom upstairs and it's attached to the wall. Oh, that's incredible. I've heard that if you have a phone, like a landline now, just as like solicitors call all the time. No, nobody calls. Nobody calls. No one calls it. That's good. Although I do think it may still be digital, but I feel like in earthquake land here in Los Angeles, it's good to have a a hard line phone. We just can't get rid of it. Yeah. We love it. I get it. I remember the last prank call I made and sadly it was like when I was like in college (laughs) and I remember it was at our parents' house. My friend Bruce from college was over 
I don't know why we did this. We looked in the phone book, pulled out a phone book. <laughs> said, this is what we're going to do. You're in college? <laughs> well, I met <laughs> this guy in college. So, so we had to be in college. To be doing- <laughs> Way too old to be doing this. And we looked up this guy and his last name was Berger, B-E-R-G-E-R. And we called this number and this guy answered and we said, is, is cheese there? And the guy's like, excuse me. And we're like, you know, cheeseburger. And the guy just sighed. And it was like, was so bummed. And I remember hanging up the phone and feeling bad and being like, oh, we, why Jonah, are we doing this? That's like, so awesome. Oh my God, when you said that, it reminded me, and I haven't eaten meat since like college, of a jumbo jack. Like there was a really big deal back in the 70s. It was again before your time when like a jumbo jack was wrapped in foil and it was just like meat and that cheese, you know, just like a typical fast food burger from the 70s. Oh my Where God. Where are you from? I'm from Dallas, Texas. Oh, right. Okay. That's right. Yeah. We used to do a, a lot of phone calling too. It was like our big venture into the world. Yeah. We'd call radio stations nonstop. We would sit in a little cardboard playhouse and call over and over and over again to try to get them to play Queen uh, Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh yeah. And then the guy would be like, well, do you have that record? And we're like, yeah, we have it. They're like, go listen to it. We're like, ah. Oh. <laughs> and that was like such a bummer. <laughs> and then also we used to do a lot of pranks. I think especially by the time I was about 13 or 14, my friends and I loved Saturday Night Live. We loved SCTV. We loved Bob and Ray, who were old radio hosts from the like really olden days of radio, who would do these really dry, funny radio skits. Also, this guy named Father Guido Sarducci had a book that was very similar to the one that came out that Jerry Seinfeld did. There was some comedy book, but he would go into detail about like advertisements for McDonald's and like why would they have like an Egg McMuffin in this ad and then like a little thing of jelly next to it? Because like who's putting jelly on the Egg McMuffin? Right. Nobody. And so he would write a really formal letter to McDonald's saying, dear sirs, you know, I just wanted to call to your attention, whatever, like a really serious letter. But it was kind of like the equivalent of a prank call to McDonald's. We used to have a lot of catalogs at my friend Margaret's house. They had this whole basket of catalogs. We would take out a catalog and there'd be like a dog basket with a dog inside of it. And we'd call the catalog in the middle of the night. We'd like, on page 23, we were just wondering, how much is that dog? You know, and they'd be like, "Uh, the dog's not for sale. Oh, yeah, but there's a dog. If you look on page 23 in the corner, there's like a white dog. Anyway, we would drive people crazy with those. I would do the same thing, Lisa. We would call catalogs all (laughs) the time. And the thing that we used to do was like we would call the catalogs and I would do adult voices or like I would do like (laughs) accents and stuff. And I remember like thinking that they like really believe me. And what I would do is I would order catalogs to people's houses (laughs) under like weird names. So like I would just like change the first name and then like use their last name and send them a catalog, which who cares (laughs) that they're getting. But I would call them and I'd be like, I remember calling this one at my friend Julie Hill's house. There was like this jewelry catalog or something. And I called and I said like, well, I heard that your catalog's just the best thing since sloth bread. (laughs) I remember doing it. And I remember the woman was like, well, thank you so much. That's so nice. And then I ordered the catalog. And in retrospect, of course, she knew that it was like a little kid (laughs) doing like a voice. But in my mind, I was like, she's buying it. And also like the big prank I was getting away with was that like someone was getting their catalogs into (laughs) their house, which... Burn. I mean, good for this company. They're getting more eyes on their products. That's hilarious. Anyways, we would just call so many catalogs, invoices, and order them to people. And then I remember the other thing you could do was you could call 1-800-TAMPON or something. Oh. Like get a free Tampax sample to people. Ooh, free sample. And we would like send them to boys that we liked. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to get them to know that you really like them. <laughs> They'll never know that it was from us. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my gosh. We used to have a thing where you would call and get the time and temperature. Yes. But I don't remember what that was. My younger brother is so good at prank calls. Well, he actually, I think, ended up in the police station for prank calls. But after that, my dad's a doctor. There was one prank he called my dad. He would pretend to be patients. He'd be like, ah, Dr. Loeb. You know, my dad's a gastroenterologist. He'd be like, my stomach is hurting so bad. And, you know, my parents got very suspicious of every, you know, to the point where this one woman did call with an emergency. And my mom was like, feel it, (laughs) feel and it's like this old lady calling about her stomach. Oh and my, my mom's God. like, Phil, that's not funny. And the woman's like, I need to talk to Dr. Loeb. <laughs> and so now every call that anybody calls that has an unusual voice, my parents think it's my younger brother. Your brother. Pranking my parents. Yeah. Even still. And he's about y'all's age. So <laughs> the other thing that you mentioned radio stations and we've mentioned this podcast before is I won 
tickets to Lilith Fair from a radio station over the phone. Oh my gosh. Hey, and took yeah, Vanessa. That's so exciting. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That was like all my favorite music. Jonah won tickets for us, took me. It was like really one of my first concerts. Who's playing, I wonder? I'm trying to think if it was, it might. Like Paula Cole. It was Victoria Williams we saw. Victoria oh. Williams is there. You might have been on the tour. I know you both played in 97, I think maybe. Yeah. I played a few different years, a few different shows each year. Okay. I got to play. I got to play. The first year I didn't want to play. It was funny. I got a, I don't remember if I'd been on tour with Sarah McLaughlin. I must've been on the fumbling towards ecstasy tour for like six weeks. It was probably one of the only tours I did for that long Wow! because soon after I ended up having TV shows and then I would do select dates and then I became a mom. You know, like I never did a lot of t-shirt tours, but I feel like opening for Sarah was one of those t-shirt tours where we went to every date and the tour bus and all that. But after that, I think Lilith Fair happened and she was putting together some kind of concert and it was all women. And I thought, I don't, I don't really want to be on an like all women's music tour. That just sounds really like segregated. And I went to all girls school and I didn't like being a girl guitar player. But then she's like, I don't think she actually called me. It was probably her people called my people, but it was like Amy Mann, Patty Smith. I don't remember who else, maybe Paula Cole or somebody else. And I was like, Oh wait, I want to play that show. Yeah. That sounds like a cool show. And then you know, each show was like that, where it was like this collection of women. And then it was an actual Lilith Fair. I was like, okay, okay, I can do this. This is just like really good musicians all playing together in one festival. That's really awesome. I love it. Yeah. And you guys had fun at the show. So much fun. We've talked about this on here before. Jonah, he knows what I'm going to say. Did you have a mock turtleneck? I didn't. I had my first cappuccino. His first ever cappuccino. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. That was huge for me. Huge. (laughs) <laughs> did you love it? <laughs> I did. It was out of a vending machine, <laughs> but I feel like it still counts. Oh my yeah. gosh. But I feel like it was really like a nice bonding thing for me and Vanessa. Like, yeah, she was so into, you know, the music. Of that yeah. Time. I mean, I, I loved you. I love Sarah McLaughlin and Tori oh, so and stuff. And it was so cool to get to see that show with Jonah. Like, Aww. yeah, it was a really fun, cool thing. Yeah. The audiences were so nice too, compared to like playing these big radio festivals that we would play with a lot of different kinds of bands. This was just a, such a much better listening audience. It was always such a surprise. Even when you play on the large stage, you didn't have to be so broad as a performer. And yeah, people would actually listen. It was so, some of those big radio concerts, there were, no offense, Jonah, there were a lot of boys with backwards baseball caps. I'm very Jewish, but like before I went out, I was like, they know not what they do, which I think is a Jesus thing because they were just like waiting for the hit song. And then it was a kegger and Lilith Fair did not feel like that. It felt like people were, you were all there together on stage, backstage, out in the audience. Everybody was like listening. It was very kind. Yeah. What was that Sarah McLaughlin, that tour prior to it like for you? It was crazy. Well, it was also amazing because Sarah McLaughlin had such a great team and she's Canadian. So the Canadian feeling of kindness, but coolness. It was above and beyond. You know, she had hit a real stride and she was very successful at that time. They had like three different workout machines backstage, which I love working out. I've always been a strength training person and I love working out. I've been doing that since I was in high school. They had workout machines. They had a private chef who was really nice making all this food. I gained weight on the tour, actually. I was so like in shape, but gained like six pounds because I would eat these big like tuna steaks and special smoothies. And, you know, it was just like very high end. The crew would come in and like fix up the bathrooms at arenas and other places that were kind of generic. They would have tablecloths and soaps and like, it was just like this whole other level. And I realized, oh, you can kind of control your surroundings. The musicians were so nice. You know, it was amazing to listen to their show every night. They had their electric guitar amps off stage mostly. So the stage was just also really nice. I don't know. It was just such a huge pro show. It was like, wow you know, one day maybe I could do that. I never ended up doing my own arena tour. Maybe I will. Yes. You never know. Yes. But still, it was just, the people were so nice. The music was amazing. The musicianship was great. You know, the management, sound engineers, crew, tech, everything. And my band was so fun. I have a really fun and funny band. So we had a really good time too. Yeah, and it's amazing because that era is like when bands still could sell a lot of records. Oh yeah, you were selling records, actually CDs and t-shirts and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now you just, you sell wishes and prayers (laughs) (laughs) for 0.0001 cent a piece. Yeah. Can I ask you really quickly, this is so lame, but when I was rewatching your video, again, you just like hit on, I don't know if you realized it, but that you were just like, in that moment, like you were exactly what girls like me like wanted to be. And I really am curious about the dress that you wore in the stay video. 
Oh, the dress I wore in the Stay video. I was a huge fan of Betsy Johnson ever since college. Okay, that makes sense. Betsy Johnson was, it was like my perfect aesthetic. It was cute, but it was a little like evil. It was a little retro, but it was very modern. And so I loved Betsy Johnson ever since college. I used to go to the Betsy Johnson store in Boston and New York and buy clothes. I'd go in Boston to the shoe store. My mom would help buy me because I went to college in Providence. My brother went to Harvard and I would buy Doc Martin boots and stuff. So I liked like punk kind of goth, kind of cute stuff. And I still wear that. I mean, I'm still wearing like a really overly cute dress right now that I'll probably wear with, you know, some evil shoes later. But so I love Betsy Johnson. I wore a lot of Betsy Johnson. It was also easy. It's very practical. You just wear leggings, Betsy Johnson dress, huge shoes. Yeah. Platform shoes or Doc Martens or sneakers or something. And it was also very flattering, fitted on the top, more A-line on the bottom often. And she started making tunic dresses as well, which I wore a lot, which were kind of like the length of shirts. Like when you see my clothes in my closet, even today, it looks like a bunch of shirts or like children's dresses because they're small and I'm short. But anyway, so it was a Betsy Johnson dress. I actually got to go to her showroom. We looked through some of her clothes that were like her vintage clothes that were probably from the early 80s, even though it was just 1994. And we found a dress that she never put out, but she made this fabric or she used this fabric that was like a faux suede. It was a stretch faux suede. And I had a brown faux suede tunic that I wore in my stay photo shoot. But in the video, it was a very, very dark forest green dress black leggings. I say John Floof. I have a song called The 90s from an album I made with this guy, Chad Gilbert from Newfound Glory. We made an album called No Fairy Tale. And there's a song called The 90s that you can listen to. And I talk about making the video for Stay. And I say John Fluvog because I also wore John Fluvog platforms. I don't know if these were Fluvog platforms, but I wore platform shoes, MAC lipstick. Yeah. And I had a middle part then, which was not a good choice. It's another choice that people are making today. (laughs) These girls are all deciding to have middle parts. I don't know if that's a great choice for them, but it was a Betsy Johnson dress. And Betsy Johnson literally like helped me find the shortest length we could go with. There's a part of your leg. You just want to cover this one part of your leg. So we made it as short as possible. Yeah. And then I had to return the dress. You did. But you know what? In the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, they have my dress that I wore for the Stay video. They have it. They just got it. I think it's on display. Wow. The dress from the Stay video. And maybe there's another dress too that we gave them for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and lyrics to the song Stay. So you can visit it at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Well, we're from Cleveland. I know. So you guys, when you go there. That's incredible. For the high holidays, you can go visit. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like we got to go to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. That makes so much sense that that dress is Betsy Johnson. Because I remember after Thanksgiving one year, because our grandparents lived in Philadelphia, my mom and I like on... Black Friday or whatever, we went to New York and we went to the Betsy Johnson store, like on the busiest shopping day of the year. Because Billy had a Betsy Johnson store too. My brother went to conservatory there. What I forgot what it was called, a music conservatory. Oh, got it. As a pianist, and I used to visit there. And there was a in Rittenhouse Square or near Rittenhouse Square. There was oh a wow Betsy Johnson store I used to go to. But anyway, so you went to New York City for the sale, and I was so into it. And I remember, and now I'm doing like a show about home shopping because I've always like thought it was really fun and interesting. I remember Betsy Johnson used to come on QVC for like a period of time in like the late 80s, early 90s. And I would tape it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. She's a kicker. She would do like cartwheels and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember once, this is a crazy story too. I did this movie and anyways, I met Julia Roberts. And one time I was at the Soho house in Malibu with Julia Roberts and um, Betsy Johnson was there. And Julia Roberts was like, oh my God, it's Betsy Johnson. <laughs> and I was like, well, I know, but like you're Julia. <laughs> like, go, go talk to Betsy Johnson. Yeah. Can you guys talk? I think Julia Roberts would be too tall to wear Betsy Johnson clothes. They'd be really short on her. They'd be really cute though. Yeah. Uh, she had the best fabrics. It was like, she'd have like fake pajama fabric, like flannels with flowers on them. Yeah. Oh my God, I loved it. Or like a big velvet purple flower on a black fitted dress that just, was like off the shoulder, but with sleeves. That was one of my first Betsy Johnson top sort of things. And then we would wear it with like biking shorts were really popular. Yeah. Under those dresses also. Oh my gosh. I remember like I got like when my mom and I went there, I got like this pink shirt that kind of like laced up the front. Like it was like- Yeah, yeah, they'd have lace up. Yeah, everything was kind of like expensive. At the time, yeah. Yeah, at the time. So like we- Got something. It was like the shirt was on sale. I loved it so much. I wore it so much. It's probably like $75 though still. 
Everything was like $125, which yeah. right now would be what, $350 or something. Yeah. It was just like, but everything and like all the drawings of the clothes and stuff. And they all had like oh, yeah. a, a woman with like hair kind of like hers, like like just. Yeah, like braids and colors and all this yeah. stuff. Yeah. It's funny. Yesterday I was at, I'm working on a new record with a band called The Hollow Trees. And Tracy, one of the main uh, members, one of the founding members, she used to have I guess a vintage store. She brought out a whole rack of clothes for me to try on because their band is kind of vintage, old cowboys, Western looking. And I like vintage retro stuff as well, but she had so many things like, why go find something? So we were trying on all these things, but she had also set aside a dress for me because my school, one of the schools that my kids goes to is having an 80s prom theme for their gala. So people are wearing 80s prom dresses. And so I called my mom. I was like, I actually have 80s prom dresses that would probably fit me. I'm basically the same size as high school, but Tracy had a Betsy Johnson dress for me to try on that was the 50s, 80s, like when the 50s were popular in the 80s. Yeah. It was very, it was much longer than what I would normally wear, like T-length, which is below the knee, but it was a black, like chiffon, but with pleated. Yeah. But chiffon with a big, sort of like your shirt, like salmon pink bow, a huge bow on the back with like layers of tulle, strapless. And it was so cute, but it was like four sizes too big for me. Darn. But it was so cute. It was the Betsy Johnson dress. Of wow. old. Yeah. Wow. Incredible. I know. Okay. Jonah, what do you think of all these Betsy Johnson <laughs> no. stories? I'm just very impressed we went somehow went from Ingve Malmsteen to Betsy Johnson. Well, you yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> when you can kick a pick, you can, I don't know. There's no other phrase for that. Well, we're going to take another quick commercial break and we'll be right back with Lisa Lowe. Can I give you a real incentive to lean into your decision to start working out and eating better? I'm Carl, co-founder of Body. That's B-O-D-I. And right now, if you sign up for a one-year subscription to Body, I want to make you an offer you can't refuse. I'll give you 65% off. Look, I know it's not easy to get fit and lose weight, especially if you're trying to figure it out by yourself, but we make it simple. Just follow a program for 20 to 30 minutes day by day and lose 5 to 10 pounds a month. We have over 120 programs that have been tested and proven to work, and almost 300,000 five-star reviews in the App Store to prove it. Body also has complete eating plans and thousands of healthy, delicious recipes. So stop guessing and start seeing results with Body, and I'll give you 65% off your annual membership right now so you save big on the app that CNN underscored named Best Fitness App. So don't wait. Sign up for a year of Body and save 65%. Just go to Body.com. That's Body with an I dot com. Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. With the same username and password throughout the DMV, it's never been easier to play with the king of sportsbooks. Download the BetMGM app today. BetMGM is an authorized gaming partner of the NBA and an official sports betting partner of the NHL. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. You deserve to treat yourself. So turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a brand new Samsung A14 on them. Straight Talk Unlimited plans start at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Who wouldn't want a few extra bucks in their pocket? Straight Talk is a great everyday value on wireless. Plus, it all runs on the most reliable 5G network in America. So treat yourself to Straight Talk today. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk Extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount. Straight Talk utilizes the network with the most first place rankings and root metrics 1H 2023 5G reliability assessments of 125 metros. Results may vary. Not an endorsement. Did you know that most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not with 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. Going from farm to store in days, not weeks. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. 
My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's no need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. And we're back. Okay, so now, Lisa, we are going to do a quick segment that we call Back to the Present. Jonan, Vanessa, we've got to go back to the present! Where we basically talk about things from the past that we wish would make a comeback, but... Because we were so excited to have you as our guest today, we're going to do a really specific version of this game Okay, where we pay tribute to that nostalgic time when movie stars used to do cameos in music videos and vice versa. And we're going to talk about like our favorite versions of that. And just to give you some time to think about it, we'll go first. Yeah. I'm like, I can't think of any, but let me think of one. <laughs> I'm going to give my pick first, okay, of something that I really loved in that world, which was, I don't know if you guys remember the video <laughs> for Shy Guy by Diana King. It was from the movie Bad Boys. And this was going to be my pick, okay? And it starred Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. They were... <laughs> it was a really funny video because... She was singing about how she didn't want a shy guy and Martin Lawrence and Will Smith were really like trying to like be funny in the video. But it was like this thing where like it wasn't clips from the movie Bad Boy. It was actually them like in the video, like the music video, like trying to be funny. Anyways, that was going to be my pick. But I realized it's been completely taken off the Internet. Oh, oh, no. Is Will Smith completely gone now? I don't know. I think I watched it a few years ago and I thought it was so great and so funny. And now it's gone. Oh, no. So I have a new pick. Okay. And so okay. my new pick is, and I was like, oh, this is the obvious pick, was when Keanu Reeves was in Paula Abdul's video for Rush Rush. Oh. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, but I never saw the movie Rebel Without a Cause, but it's sort of a parody of that video. And it kind of takes place in that world. Not a parody, but it kind of takes place in that world. And Basically, it's just kind of like a love story between Paula Abdul and Keanu Reeves. And at one point, like he gets in kind of a fight and he puts like a jug of milk on his face. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I remember the milk. It's more a than great the video. video. Yeah, I remember. That's the main thing I remember is him putting milk on his face. I rewatched it last night. It's just a real love story, you guys. And it's really fun that Keanu Reeves did that video. And I feel like he did talk about it in some press when the new Bill and Ted was coming out. And he said that he had like a lovely time. And I think it was like right around the time of Bill and Ted that he did this video. So I'm a huge Keanu Reeves fan and a huge Paula Abdul fan. And I just, those two worlds coming together was really incredible for me as a kid and as an adult. Aww. I love that. Jonah, what's your pick for this very special edition of Back to the Present? Well, you know, it started off actually, Lisa, I was thinking about your cameo in Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, yeah. And it made me think of how these crossovers went both ways. So I had so many. I was really hard for me to narrow it down. I loved Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was in the Guns N' Roses You Can Be Mine video. Right. To promote Terminator 2. Promote Terminator 2. Yeah. And Slash, by the way, is playing, I believe, a BC Rich bitch, a red one in that oh, video. Oh, see, you know, he's, it's so comfortable and the, the action's so low. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and remember, isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger carrying a box of roses and the roses fall out and there's guns in it? Like yep. Guns N' yeah. Roses? So that was some real subtle, <laughs> some subtle imagery there. Yes. Oh, wow. So poetic. I still remember that part of the video. And actually, I'm just putting together now that that's why he did that. <laughs> yeah. So that was one. There was also a Doc and Head video for Dream Warriors, which was like in, for a Freddy Krueger movie where Freddy Krueger was in the video, like chasing them. Ooh. Oh, this kind of stuff, I feel like never happens now. Like you don't yeah. see these kind of tie ins. And then I was thinking about the other way, like um, Alice Cooper's cameo in Wayne's World. Oh, Alice. When he's talking about Milwaukee and Lemmy and Airheads, just so many of these great music movie kind of tie-ins that don't happen as much anymore. I was curious, I wanted to ask you, like the Hot Tub Time Machine thing, like how did that kind of come about for you? Well, Craig, I can't remember if that was before or after Craig was on my record. Craig sings two songs with me on my record, Feel What You Feel. Okay. One of them is called It's All Right to Cry, which was a popular song. From Free to Be You and Me, right? Free to Be You and Me. Yeah. So Craig. We had that growing up. Yeah. Yeah. So I asked Craig, I was writing a song called Feel What You Feel with my friends, which was like a rap, like a disco rap song about feelings. It was getting really funny and dry. And and I thought I should get a friend to sing this with me, but it needed a companion song. And then I was like, oh my gosh, it's all right to cry. Actually, I don't remember how it came about, but I knew it's all right to cry and feel what you feel. 
Those were companion pieces. So I called Craig. I'd met Craig at the office, at the TV show, The Office. My husband had worked with him a little and we had visited the set and I was friendly with a number of the folks on it. Actually, Ed Helms plays banjo on one of the songs on the record as well. Oh, wow. And Steve Martin had played banjo on another one of my records, a song called The Disappointing Pancake. Wow. I invited him to come play banjo on The Disappointing Pancake. But anyway, so when Craig and I met, we when we shook hands, his hand was like a donut. It was like a like a warm bear claw. And we we immediately started singing to each other. I think we started singing Reunited to each other, which we still need to record. Reunited and it feels like literally we just like when he sat down for lunch, we were eating with the cast. We just started singing to each other. And I, I was like, we got to make something. And he's like, yeah. So years and years later, I asked him if he would sing on the record. And so he sang It's All Right to Cry, which was made famous by Rosie Greer. And then he also did this other song with me and we did two videos together. And I don't remember if it was before this or after this that he texted me and he said, hey, would you mind in Hot Tub Time Machine if we did your song and changed all the words? And I said, yeah, great. And so he literally was like wearing an outfit inspired by the Betsy Johnson song. I went to New Orleans where they were shooting it. They had the set exactly like the stay set. It was crazy the way they had it set up. Only it was really, really humid, but it looked the same. The lighting was the same, the colors, everything. And I played the cat wrangler in that scene. They thought it would be funny if I was weirdly recognizing the song. Like it felt kind of too familiar to me. And I am also an actor. And I've ended up doing tons of cameos and like a million TV shows, which I used to not love. And then I realized, ah, it's fun. They pay me. I get to meet all these great people and all these different sets and play a different version of myself, depending on what the show is and what my role is, whether it's Fuller House or Community or Hot Tub Time Machine, whatever it is. Yeah. And it's really fun to have a field trip and be on those sets and work with those folks and make those friends. But anyway, so yeah, I think Craig just asked me and I said, yeah. And then we did that. But I know there's so many crossovers. It's funny. I was trying to think of a video to mention, but I couldn't think of any. I had to look it up on my phone while we were talking. And then one came up, which is such a dad example, which is <laughs> Paul Simon, You Can Call Me Al. I remember thinking it was hilarious that he had Chevy Chase in it. Yep. Right. Because making a video, especially like sometimes it's really tedious to make music videos. It, it takes a lot of time. You're sitting there worried about your face and your hair and your clothes and your this and your that. And that was just such a clever way to step out of just uh, another video with another song. It was a whole other level of what to watch when you were making the video. And we ended up referencing that video. I made an album called Lullaby Girl, where it's sort of for kids. It's with Amazon. It's an album I put out exclusively with Amazon, but most of the videos are available on YouTube. We made a video for each song and we covered a lot of different songs like In My Room by the Beach Boys, The Sun Will Come Out Tomorrow, Rainbow Connection, A Dream is a Wish Your Heart Makes. A lot of songs that feel like lullabies, but that are just songs. And one of the songs was Don't Stop because it's Don't Stop Thinking About Tomorrow by Fleetwood Mac. And it kind of felt like a dreamy song. So we did a a video for that song. And we, if you watch it, it's a similar feeling to You Can Call Me Out. We have like basically a white backdrop and a few of us sitting facing forward and there's action happening subtle action happening that tells a short story, you know, in a small space. Anyway, that's great. Yeah, that's a great one. I forgot about that one. I did too. Yes, that's such a good one. Classic. It's classic. I don't even know the videos you're really talking about. I didn't watch MTV in that era. My husband's about y'all's age, maybe a little bit older. No, about your age. I think I worked with your husband. I interned at Conan and I think he- Oh yeah. Is that possible? then. Totally. And so he's like, oh, remember this song? We used to roller skate to this. I was like, I was like out of college. I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Like I wasn't watching MTV. I was like on tour and I don't even, I'm not even aware. Like I didn't listen to pop radio until- I was on it in 1994. Like I listened to it when I was a kid. Yeah. You know, when I was in college and in late high school, I listened to classic rock, new wave, which was popular, but I didn't know a lot of the like kind of light R&B hits and stuff like that. I just didn't know. Yeah. Like I met Paula Abdul. She's really nice. And, but I don't know her music really, really well. Yeah. Well, you were out there like actually doing it other rather than Yeah, you were doing it. I was doing things and I was listening to, like I said, like really alternative music or- David Bowie. It's it's a different, it's a slightly different time range. Right. So I missed Guns N' Roses. Like now I've met Slash, I think, and I've, you know, been in the world with some of these folks who are very sweet and uh, interesting to talk to, but I don't know their music as well as 
other people may. It's so great though, because I mean, I feel like you were doing your thing, probably just the fact that you weren't as familiar with them. Like I feel like most people wouldn't refer to like Slash and people as being very sweet, but like, you know them as... Well, I don't know them very well. I mean, you know, I meet them. I meet them yeah, along the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? But like, it's just, it's nice because you're getting to kind of like know these people as... yeah who they are, which is so nice. I think also to bring it back to you, Jonah, a lot of these folks I meet at NAM, which is like the music instrument convention, which is like being in the largest music store in your life. When I was a kid, I don't have this connection as much with music stores anymore because I have like closets full of guitars and guitar strings, but it's magical to meet. I used to work with PV guitars and like to meet Mr. PV, I had a backstage PV amp and that was like a really big deal. And I had it because I saw a picture of Andy Summers from the police. He had a backstage amp. There was a PV and I was like, oh my God, I've got a PV, like when you were excited to have a guitar pick, like now I know the company that makes my capos, which is a big deal. My guitar picks, my strings, my amps, my, anyway, you nerd out and then you meet a lot of folks there in a setting that is, they're also nerding out and they're, it's a setting that's, I don't know. It's, it's just a different way to meet people. That's a little bit more I don't know, business to business, or I don't know. It's, it's just like a like, trade show more, right? Kind it's of like a trade show, but it feels a little bit sometimes like I know when I was in in high school, I went to an all girls private school. We'd have like, you'd meet up with other private schools for like the art conference where you would, people would be putting on their plays and their bands would be playing at night and jazz band would play and you'd get to meet other people and you, you know, you're meeting your people. It's funny when you do really have something in common with people that on the outside, like I know Alice Cooper through golf tournaments and he's very sweet and, and, and through wow. a friend of mine, who's a chef and he's just, he and his wife do great things in, in Arizona. And, but like, who would have thought my dad would be standing talking to Alice Cooper about <laughs> yeah. golf, you know, at a, totally wearing a golf shirt. Anyway, it's sort of a behind the scenes. You get to meet people and actually connect with them. Like I call Steve Vai for advice and to talk to him about the music business. But who would think like, oh, Steve Vai and Lisa. But that being said, like he's an entrepreneur. He's been a musician forever. He's really involved in his business. I'm the same, you know, like, but we make music that's a little bit different from each other. Yeah, definitely. That guy can definitely shred. He can shred. Yeah, he can shred. He plays like crazy guitars, like like an X. He plays those gem guitars with a little handle on it. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> wow. Yes. Oh, guitars. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Lisa, Like, it sounds like you have so many projects going on. Where can people find you and like anything you want to promote? Obviously, you have a lot going on. I would love for people to hear my album, A Simple Trick to Happiness. Again, almost every single video from the album is on YouTube, so you can watch the songs on the official Lisa Loeb YouTube channel. I also have a million records out that people may not know about, and you can find them on Spotify or anywhere else you find music. Like literally go down the rabbit hole. There's like a lot of music out there, and I hope people check it out. You can also find everything about me old school on lisaloeb.com. Yes. And that's where they can find your classes, information about your tour dates, classes, classes, tour dates, coffee. Yeah. Coffee you can buy, Camp Lisa Foundation. And then you can link to everything, Twitter, Instagram. Incredible. And all of those other things that we all have. Amazing. Right. And I'll have to tell Rowie that I was here with you. Yeah, totally. I was an intern at Conan in 2003 in New York, kind of right before they moved. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm surprised we didn't meet. Oh, no, no, no. Wait, I think I started dating Rowie in 2006 or 7, 2006. Okay. That makes sense. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. Yeah. Was he an intern at the time too? No, he must have. He may have been or he just started working there a couple of years ago. He worked right? there. I think he worked there, but he was very nice. Yeah, he's very nice. <laughs> well, thank you so much, you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you to everyone for listening. Please keep an eye out for next week's episode if you enjoyed this. Next week again, we will discuss more stories from our childhood and cultural touchstones like telephone etiquette from the 1970s and 80s. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome.
This is Holly Fry from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV, like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander. With seating for up to eight passengers and available panoramic moonroof, you can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with the whole family. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Farm to store in days, not weeks. That's 80 Acres Farms. Did you know most salads travel over 2,000 miles to reach your plate? But not 80 Acres Farms. Their crisp salad greens and herbs are food less traveled. They stay fresher for longer in your fridge. My salad lasts all week long, which means less food waste and easy meal planning. Oh, and did I mention there's zero need to wash these greens? Because 80 Acres Farms uses zero pesticides. Visit 80acresfarms.com to learn more and find their salads and salad kits at your local Harris Teeter. You deserve to treat yourself, so turn your tax refund into a U-fund and give yourself a Straight Talk Wireless Extended Silver Unlimited plan and get a new Samsung Galaxy A14 on them. You can get a great everyday value on wireless with Straight Talk's unlimited plan starting at $25 a line per month for four lines. You'll save so much, you'll be enjoying that refund all year long. It's the refund that keeps on refunding. Find Straight Talk at straighttalk.com or at your local Walmart store. Taxes and fees not included. Offer valid through 41424 while supplies last. Online only. Must purchase a Straight Talk extended Silver Unlimited plan to qualify. Limit of five phones per customer. Family plan discount with four lines all on the Silver Unlimited plan. Not combinable with auto pay discount.